Are you? Uh, yes. Are you、okay. recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I saw this TikTok today,、mm-hmm. where a girl went to a Harry Harry Styles concert. Who's that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and she brought a sign that said "Harry is my hall pass," and she recorded his reaction, and he did a full on double take on stage, and like gave her this little smirk. <laughs> It was funny, and I think um, Anna Kendrick did an interview where she talked、oh. about being people's hall passes and how like. It was weird, but then she was like, "Sure, let's go." <laughs> Love Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Is she your hall pass? No, I didn't have one. You're my hall pass. Oh, whatever. Okay, no, for、you're, real though. You're my hall pass. Give me a real list.、No. Get, like, do like your top three. Fine. <laughs> so number one is Anna Kendrick. Yes. Number two, Scarlett Johansson. Uh huh. Number three, Natalie Portman. Ooh. No, no, scratch that. Lily James. <laughs> It used to be Natalie Portman because I had a huge crush on her. Um, but Lily James, Lily James. Okay. So who's your hall pass? Top, top three. Sure. <laughs> Zac Efron. Yes. Adam Driver. Yes. <laughs> And who's the third? Jensen Ackles. Oh, that's right. I knew that. <laughs> I love how you knew the first two. I knew、that、the third one too. I just. Yeah. You always forget Jensen. I know.、Gosh. Surprising. <laughs> I have a man crush on him. I know, right? <laughs>、uh, I also saw this <laughs> TikTok where people were like spreading their nostrils to get a better inhale. <laughs> okay. You should try it. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Because <laughs> you get like a full breath. Okay. Well, you can just breathe longer. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not as easy. I don't know. Uh, I think it's easier <laughs> rather、What、than lifting、it? your arms up to go. But it's more fun that way. No. <laughs> I want to like wear a little contraption that spreads my nostrils so I can breathe through my nose easily <laughs> all day. But, okay. But when nobody's home, because I work from home and nobody would know. <laughs> Except for the people you're on the on the phone with, they'd just be breathing like. They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> okay. Okay, so are you ready for my story? I'm ready. You are talking it up, so I'm really excited for it. Um, so my story is actually going to be a two-parter. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's really good. Um, so I'm going to do half of it today, and the other half for next week's episode. Oh, okay. You don't want to do two in a row? No. Okay. It's going to be really long if I try to fit everything in、okay. right now. And. In today's first half, I'm actually telling you six different stories. Six? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow! Don't sound too <laughs> excited. No, I'm excited. Okay. No, I'm sure. excited. Sure. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So today I'm telling you a story about a man named Frane or Frano Selec Costas Mitsotakis <laughs> Martin Tot. Roy Sullivan, Melanie Martinez, and Jason and Jenny Karen's Lawrence. Okay. All of these people come from different backgrounds. Cool. Different places around the world, different time periods, but they all have one thing in common. 
they are incredibly unlucky people. Really? Yes. Okay. So let's start with Frano, Mr. Salak. So they have like no ties to each other whatsoever besides their bad luck? Correct. Okay, cool. Yep. Sounds good. Um, all of them at different points in their life have been uh, coined some of the unluckiest people in the world. Fantastic. Yeah. How do they know that? How do they measure that? Uh, how do they measure luck? Is it like how bad you know how bad it is or how often bad things happen to them? Yeah, probably. Well, let me tell you these stories okay. and then you can judge it for yourself. Okay. So sounds good. Mr. Selec, uh Frano. Sel- he was Selec? Selec? Selec. Okay. It's S E L A K. Okay. He is Croatian. Oh. Am I saying it wrong? Uh, I don't know. I don't speak Croatian. You know, you're full of surprises, <laughs> Mr. Selak. Maybe Selak. Selak. Okay, I'll go with that. Cool. So he was born June 14th, 1929, uh, and his profession in life was a music teacher. Cool. In January 1962, when he was 32 years old, um, he was riding in a train. While he was riding, they were going through a rainy, cold cabin and a boulder fell onto the tracks causing the train to fly off of the tracks and into a river salak was pulled to safety by an unknown passenger 17 people drowned he walked away with a broken arm and hypothermia okay in 1963 just a year later his mother fell ill so he went to go see her he went to go take his first plane ride ever uh, but the plane was full. Essentially, he begged the pilot and everybody to like let him on, saying this was dire circumstances. He didn't know if he would make it for his mother, her last breath, you know. Mm-hmm. So they finally let him on. This was 1963, different time. <laughs> yep. Um, but he had to sit in the very back with a flight attendant. While they were flying, the plane started to malfunction. The back door in the plane flew off and he was ejected from the plane oh no (laughs) the plane crashed and so basically when he was ejected he fell 800 meters which is 2625 feet and he landed in a haystack walked away essentially unharmed whereas the plane crashed and 19 people were killed that was also his last plane ride okay first and last so did he walk the rest of the way probably i don't know that was the end of that story okay i didn't because <laughs> i mean that'd be kind of sad if he wasn't able to make you know seeing his mother one last time i don't know yeah i, I don't know what happened okay. with that i just know that he i mean i'm sure he was pretty shaken up by falling half a mile mm-hmm. after being thrown out of an airplane <laughs> right so don't sign me up so uh, 1966 at age 36 salak boarded a bus um and he, I guess, knew the bus driver pretty well, and the two of them both took a shot together of some alcoholic beverage. First red flag. <laughs> the Fantastic. Bus, as they were driving, the bus skidded off of the road into a river. The driver and Salak were able to make it out and swim to shore with minor cuts and bruises, but four people died on the bus that day. Four years later, in 1970, at 41 years old, while he was driving, his car caught fire. He escaped the car before the engine blew up. <laughs> okay. Three years later, while driving, his fuel pump malfunctioned, uh, dousing the engine with hot oil. Flames shot through the air vent, and the only damage that he had was that his hair was singed off. So he was bald? Pretty much. Cool. 
1995, at the age of 66, he was hit by a bus. He only sustained minor injuries in your face. Okay. So this is the unluckiest man. Like, from the sound of it, he's he comes out luckier than everyone else that's around him. Well, a lot of the articles that I read... Um, they said that it could either be the unluckiest or the luckiest for him specifically. Fair enough. Just depends on if you see the glass half empty or half full. Fair enough. Okay. The other ones, you can't really say that, but this one for sure. Yeah. Um, so one year after that, 1996, while driving on a windy mountain, um, he was going around a, a turn and he almost hit a United Nations truck. But he swerved out of the way, thankfully, but then he hit a guardrail, and the guardrail came loose, and his car started to fall off the edge of a cliff. He managed to, I don't know if he was launched out or if he jumped out, but he managed to grab a tree branch on Mm -hmm. the side of this mountain while his car fell 300 feet. Damn. Yep. Two days after his 73rd birthday, he won a 900,000 euro lottery which is equivalent to 1.11 million dollars u.s money i'll take it too uh he bought two houses a boat and a lot of cars he gave most of his money away though in 2010 to family and friends and lived a humble modest life and died naturally at the age of 87 on november 30th 2016 well, you're gonna say something like he lost all of his property in a fire or something. <laughs> I know I was expecting that. I was not expecting a happy ending for this guy. Yeah, but good for him. I'm happy yeah. for him. Can I just say, I also feel that un- unluckiness with cars. Oh my gosh! Because I mean, <laughs> you've been there. <laughs> oh my gosh, we have had the worst luck with cars. Like my very first car. I, I didn't know you when I had my first car, but that one was um, on the highway. It, it broke down. <laughs> i think i remember you telling me that yeah irreparable Wait. and then the second car you know the the red master that i had you were there for we that one engaged then the freaking jetta <laughs> when we had a jetta that one worked uh, all right it just like every problem uh, that you could have with it happened it was all other than apart. other than it could drive <laughs> right right no, the, the rearview mirror kept falling off, and the, the antenna broke. The antenna broke. The air conditioning was non-existent, and so was the heat. It, it, it blew air. It blew air, <laughs> not but hot, like, not cold, just air. Oh my gosh, the windows! If horrible. you rolled them down, they wouldn't roll back up. They wouldn't roll back up. You oh, had to like yeah. force them up by pulling on them. But hey, filling up the tank was pretty cheap. So. Now we're doing okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was telling Kaylee the other day about Jeep number one, Jeep number two. And just like all of the issues with that. And you know what? That's a story for another time. But oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a rough time. <sighs> anyway. We're doing okay. Knock on wood. We're going to be fine. So that was story number one of our friend Rano Salak. All right. Unlucky person number two. <laughs> Kostis. Kostis Mitsotakis. Who is a man from Greece. He was a filmmaker. And he fell in love with a Spanish girl from a town called Sodeto, Spain, Sodeto. He moved to be with her and stayed in Sodeto after they split. So just this cute little quaint town. Um, This was in 2011 during Europe's economic crisis where crops weren't really growing, money was really scarce. 
you know, people were struggling mm -hmm. financially and everything. Um, every year. I'm not sure I understand. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> that scared me really bad. Okay. Every year, um, there was a lottery. And so Spain every year had this big Christmas jackpot that they called the fat one or El Gordo. Okay. And every year, the town of Sodeto, Spain, would all go in on one ticket together. So basically, like, one person would buy or, like, one organization would buy and then you could buy, like, a stock of it. Okay. Of that ticket. Um, and so the uh, Housewives Association purchased one ticket, number 58268, and they went door to door selling the shares and people could buy however many shares they wanted of this ticket. Okay. Every one of the 240 residents of Sodeto participated, but they forgot Costas at the edge of town. Oh, no. They won $950 million. That was split between 240 people. This entire town became millionaires overnight, except for Costas. How many people did you say? 240. So their winnings, based oh. on how many stocks they bought, ranged from $130,000 to millions per person, depending on how many stocks, which even $130,000 is life-changing money. Oh, for sure. You know what I could do with that much money? <laughs> he was the only person in this town that did not win. Oh, poor Costas. <laughs> Talk about unlucky, right? Costas oh. thankfully had a really good attitude about it. He said he didn't feel unlucky. He even made a documentary about it, which the town graciously funded. Um, and he did end up saying that um, a lot of the people changed, became more reserved because they had money and finances. Mm -hmm. People would disagree and say like, no, we were just less worried, you know, more like carefree because their needs day to day were taken care of. So he still lives in Sodeto today. Good for him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that one hurts, right? Mm -hmm. Now just wait for this next one, which is okay. also a lottery story. Okay, so this is the story of Martin and Kay Tot. They lived together in Watford, UK. This was 2001. Um, and so financially, things were a little bit differently then. But even still, together, they were making about $34,000 a year. Oh, okay. Which is really low you know um one of their favorite pastimes was purchasing lottery tickets just for fun and they would always buy the exact same number um they would base this number specifically off of their birthdays how old they were when they met each other the date they got engaged and they even added their grandma's house like the number to their grandma's house at the mm -hmm. end so they knew exactly like the same number every single time um and then they would just check it occasionally Cool. One day they checked it and realized that six months earlier they won three million dollars. But oh no, they couldn't find the ticket. Oh no, anywhere. <laughs> so frantically they uh, they called the they called Camelot, which I believe is the company that helped like give out the money. They called Camelot and explained how they knew for sure it was their ticket, how they knew that it was the one that they bought. And how they just misplaced it. And they were able to 
verify the numbers they were able to verify when and where the ticket was purchased and they basically were like yeah it's your ticket and they were like sure yeah like you're the winners we'll give you the money (laughs) so they waited for weeks on end and nothing nothing happened so um they began to get really anxious they started to spiral so martin started drinking a lot and kate lost a lot of weight unhealthily until finally they heard that Camelot had no intention of paying the oh money because they didn't have the ticket. Oh. So um, they were encouraged to keep quiet, but of course they were mad. So they went very public with it. They went on several talk shows. Uh, the entire public was rooting for them. You know, they were uh, standing behind them saying like, they need this payout. They need this payout. It's not fair. You know, people make mistakes. Um, even like famous talk show hosts were saying like come on camelot like pay out this is ridiculous um they even hired a lawyer and filed a lawsuit but the court rejected it so uh sir richard branson offered martin and Kay an entire week's stay on his private island because he felt so bad for them and what they were going through so they spent a week there their airplane tickets were premium seats and they were given food daily by world's best chefs and basically like this once in a lifetime trip made them more depressed (laughs) because they were like this is the life we could have if they had the money if they had the money that they won so um let's go punch camelot (laughs) right Martin didn't want to stop fighting for the money, but Kay was just over it because it had been so detrimental to her health and to her relationship. So she was like, let's just move on. We never had it to begin with. Um, But they did. Kind of. But it was never, like, in their possession. Yeah, but, like, they were owed that money. Yeah, and, you know, for weeks they thought they were getting it, and so I'm sure they imagined what life would be like Oh, like, planning everything out. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Oh, absolutely. Like, first week like yeah we're getting this money soon let's go on this trip let's buy this house this car all this stuff mm-hmm. and, oh. they probably racked up credit card debt too thinking they'd be able to pay it off probably yeah um but basically like this killed their relationship and they ended up splitting up because of it so we don't hear about Kay anymore but martin tried desperately to just find answers to find some like loophole or legal way in to get this money and eventually he found a girl online named tanya who i guess had a similar experience um but she lived in tennessee and so she invited him to meet her in tennessee uh and wanted him to go to her church (laughs) and the church was run by a man who called himself apostle Apostle told him that the lottery was not in his destiny and that he needed to move to Tennessee and join their group. Um, <laughs> you mean cult? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Martin went back home to, you know, sell his belongings and pack up, but he couldn't get a visa. So he was like, eh, screw it. Um, then he found out that Apostle was mad that he wasn't going to come back. So he ended up like, financially ripping off like the rest of the cult members and just being really shady about it so he's like oh dodged a bullet there so he was almost in a cult weird little snippet (laughs) um but anyways he then tried to take more legal action but it became too costly so he finally decided to give up today he lives with his girlfriend and is now a writer he has a website that i'm pretty sure is just his name 
martintot.com or something like that. I did look it up and it's just like uh, he does like music production a little bit and nice. then writing and he fully admits like he doesn't make a lot of money. He just does it because he enjoys it. Fair enough. Yeah. So. What do they say? When you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the story of Martin and Kate Tot. Pretty uh, sad. They were coined UK's unluckiest couple or something like that. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Moving on. This one was really fun to learn about, but also got a little sad. Okay. This is the story of... Miles. What? Continue. Roy <laughs> Sullivan. This is number four out of six for today. Roy Sullivan. Roy Sullivan was born February 7th, 1912 in Greene County, Virginia. He was a park ranger from 1942 to 1977 at Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. He was nicknamed the Human Lightning Rod. Is it because he got struck by lightning a lot? Yes. Okay. And I'm about to tell you each time. So in April 1942, uh, he was hiding from a thunderstorm in a fire lookout tower. This tower was newly built, so there was no lightning rod at the time. And the tower itself started to get struck by lightning. It was struck about seven or eight times. Um, Sullivan said that fire was jumping all over the place and he ran out of the tower. And a few feet away from the tower, he got struck by lightning. It burned half an inch, a half inch strip along his right leg. It hit his toe and left a hole in his shoe. So that was 1942. So he was 30 years old. Okay. 27 years later, July 1969, he was driving his car while, uh, during a storm. Um, a lightning bolt hit a tree and then deflected from the tree into an open window of his car. He was knocked unconscious his car stopped near the edge of a cliff. Uh, it burned off his eyebrows, eyelashes, and then set his hair on fire. Dang. And he's unconscious during that? Yep. I will note, too, that usually cars act as a Faraday cage. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but basically what that is is those big metal cages that people can stand in, and it uh, blocks electromagnetic fields. And cars can act as that. So it was really unusual that he was hit in his car. Mm -hmm. But because of how, like, the window was open and, I don't know, maybe cars were structurally different back then that maybe. allowed it to pass through. But, yeah, he got hit. So that was 1969. One year later, exactly 12 months later, um, he was standing in his front yard and a lightning bolt hit a nearby power transformer and jumped to his left shoulder, searing it. So he got burned all over. Oh, yeah. Literally. Two years later, in spring of 1972, uh, he was inside the ranger station at Shenandoah National Park. And it doesn't it didn't give specifications on like how exactly this happened, but he did end up getting hit while he was in the ranger station. Um, his hair caught on fire. He tried to smother it. He, so he rushed to the bathroom and his head wouldn't fit underneath the sink. So he just got a towel and like wet his hair. <laughs> poor guy i know so this is actually the fourth time um and he never considered himself a fearful man but after the fourth strike he changed completely he started to believe that uh some force was trying to destroy him he got like this huge fear of death um during storms he would if he was driving he would pull over and lay down in the front seat until the storm passed and he always carried a can of water for his hair um and he <laughs> 
I mean, I would too, honestly, because after all the times that his <laughs> four hair is, times, right? His hair catches on fire, like yeah, something's gonna happen again. He also was pretty paranoid. He believed that he was attracting lightning, and that even if he were in a crowd of hundreds, he would be the one to get hit. So, um, so that was spring nineteen seventy two. This next one is a year later, August nineteen seventy three. Mm-hmm. He was on patrol at the park. A storm rolled in, so he decided to get in his car and drive away. He thought that he had outrun the storm, but the clouds seemed to have followed him. He stayed in his car until he thought he was safe, and then as soon as he stepped out, he got struck. He saw the bolt that hit him. It moved down his left arm and down his leg, and then moved to his right leg just below the knee. He crawled to his truck, grabbed his can of water, and poured it on his head, which was on fire. At least he was prepared this time. <laughs> I know. This poor guy, though, he's like, okay. I'm in the clear. Steps out. Boom. Like, okay, Mother Nature. Thank Poor you. Roy. All right. So time number six. This was just three years later. Let me make sure that's right. Yep. Three years later. So it was June 5th, 1976. He injured his ankle running from a cloud. He was still struck. His hair caught on fire. A year later, June 25th, 1977. He was fishing, and while he was fishing, he was struck on the top of his head. It traveled down, burnt his chest and stomach, and his hair caught fire. He got up to run to his car, and there was a bear. So he grabbed a tree branch, hit the bear with a stick with the branch, whatever, and then ran to his car to put out the fire that was on his head. And, fun fact, according to him, that was his 22nd time hitting a bear with a stick. Really? Yeah. This is a park ranger. You run into a lot of them, but <laughs> but the th- the fact that he had the strength to do that with his hair on fire, I mean, like... <laughs> it, it was probably all calloused or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure probably... like fire probably wasn't necessarily like a flame, right? Because it could have been just like burning, right? I mean, if it was like a huge flame. So that was the That's seventh funny. and final time that was recorded. There is an honorable mention that he claims that he was struck as a child while working in a field with his dad, but he came out uninjured and he can't prove that one. So he doesn't necessarily claim it on his list of seven. Um, and one time he was in the yard with his wife and they were hanging clothes in the yard and his wife was the one that was struck. Oh. And he walked away unarmed. So... Lucky him, not so lucky for his wife. Like, yeah, how does it feel? I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do have some fun statistics about lightning that I wanted to share. I think my grandpa was hit by lightning. Really? At one point. I think so. I'll have to ask my dad, but I'm pretty sure that that happened. Ouch. Mm-hmm. He's been through a lot. Yeah. No, that's insane. Yeah. Okay. Um, the odds of being struck by lightning for the period for over the period of 80 years has been roughly estimated as one out of 10,000. If the lightning strikes are independent events, the probability of being hit seven times would be one to the 10,000 to the seventh power or one with 10,000 zeros. <laughs> I don't know what that number is. Um, a lot. Yeah. I think that is the mathematical term for it. Yes. A lot. <laughs> These numbers do not quite apply to Sullivan, however, who by the nature of his work and his physical location was exposed to more storms than the average person. Virginia, where he lived, averages 35 to 45 thunderstorms, thunderstorm days per year, 
most of which fall in June, July, and August. That's so if you thing. remember in the story, a lot of them happened June, June and then June and then July and then July and then August. Yeah. So um, between 1959 and 2000, lightning killed 58 people and injured at least 238 people in Virginia. In the United States, 3,239 people were killed and 13,000 57 were injured by lightning in the same period. Most of these were males between the ages of 20 and 40 caught outdoors. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> Lesson learned, never go camping, never go into the wilderness. I also hear, like, you know, being under a tree and everything during a lightning storm. There was one story that I read about that there was a group of people during a lightning storm that went and hid under a tree. Lightning struck the tree and, like, it like, declothed them. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all naked i mean if they're all naked that's not that bad right right it'd be awkward if you were the only one it was <laughs> the lightning i swear that'd be roy <laughs> <laughs> poor roy all right speaking of poor roy so actually this is kind of cool he was um he's in the guinness book of world records for a person struck by lightning more recorded times than any other human being fair enough but unfortunately he passed away by suicide on September 28th, 1983, at the age of 71. Poor guy. Yeah. So this really haunted him. Mm. Um, I didn't read too much about his personal life, but it did say his marriage also ended the same year that he died. So I don't know if it's because he died or if because he ended up getting a divorce. I'm not sure. But gotcha. Yeah, it was just a bad year for him. I'm surprised that after all the times he got struck by lightning, he... Didn't get any superpowers or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, he did get paranoia. True. But, yeah, seven times. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, and you realize how paranoid he got. That must, I mean, not that I thought that getting struck by lightning was a good time, but that must really just hurt. Yeah. You know? Okay, I have two more. The next one is pretty short. So this is Melanie Martinez from... Braithwaite, Louisiana, which is a rural of New Orleans. Okay. She has been uh, in the eye of five hurricanes and all five of them destroyed her home completely. So <clears throat> the first one was Hurricane Betsy in 1965. The second one was Hurricane Juan, 1985, so 20 years later. And then 13 years after that was Hurricane George, and then Hurricane Katrina in 2005. And then the last one was Hurricane Isaac in 2012. So, sad story about the Isaac one. A few months before that, she was actually on an A&E, tra- A&E channel show called Hideous Houses, um, and she was given a $20,000 home makeover. And it wasn't necessarily because her house was ugly, but it was because... The producers of the show loved her story about surviving four hurricanes, Mm -hmm. and they made her home beautiful, and they gave her all these nice upgrades, including a really nice plasma screen TV, and then a few months later, Hurricane Isaac hit. Um, They said that every time there was a hurricane, they would book it out of town, but this time, she had her mom there that was 74, and their car broke down, so they decided to stay there and just hope and pray for the best, but then, of course... They started to get flooding in their home. They got about eight feet of water, Mm. so they had to climb into the attic. They grabbed a hammer and put holes into the roof so they can climb out, Um, and they ended up having to sit on their roof with their dogs and kittens. I think it was like three dogs and 
like four kittens uh-huh. until they got rescued and uh does it say how long they were waiting no. okay Mm-mm. but uh they were rescued and melanie when she was interviewed had good spirits about it and she just said that she was grateful to be alive and somebody asked her why would you stay in louisiana and she hold on i have the actual quote that's what i'm wondering is why would you stay <laughs> why would you stay in louisiana after five times of your house being lost and they she says why well, live in louisiana i was born here it's home 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 but we would want to move somewhere that's hilly you know a house on a hill same you want to live in a house on a hill uh, if my house has been flooded five times and destroyed yes put me on the tallest hill so that is melanie martinez and then this is the last story that i have for you today real quick i have i have a little story uh-huh so when i was a kid um you know we lived in like a little tiny kind of dairy farming village mm-hmm. out in the countryside sure sure really nice area uh but there was one year where we got a ton of rain like a ton which is pretty un- you know during that time we were going through a pretty bad drought as well so it's so pretty it was unusual it was pretty unusual oh i wish i could show you exactly how it was but because i mean remember when we went to australia and we went to um our old house mm-hmm. there's going into the town that we were close to willow grove there was you know we lived more elevated than it we had to go down some hills to get there and that whole area like leading up to the hill was completely flooded it was Dang. it was flooded like we could not get to school that's which really was kind of cool as a kid you know <laughs> oh it was it was whack i thought it was the coolest thing ever though because when yeah. we did go you know when we were finally able to make it across the there was like a little river there with a bridge and everything and that was still a little bit higher than the actual road but my dad you know he's very adventurous he loves um off-roading i guess what you americans <laughs> call it four-wheel driving so he'd like oh, just drive man. through this and it was pretty fun that's that's, cool. that's what that kind of reminds me of but yeah we lived on a hill because of that reason well not because of that reason but you know yeah that just it's it was cool nice when it's hill. not harming you yes well and you know um hurricane ian happened just mm-hmm. recently in florida and i follow a lot of people on social media that live in florida and so they've been showing like the aftermath of their towns and things and it's it's devastating like the amount of destruction that happened but then every once in a while you see just some family like in little pool floaties just going down the road (laughs) it's like they're making the most out of the situation it's Mm -hmm. really cool like you know rest in peace to everyone who passed away and you know condolences to everyone who lost everything but it's really um fun to see the videos and and pictures of people like doing the best they can Mm -hmm. to make light of the situation right there was one girl who posted a video and she's like you haven't lived until you floated in a little uh kiddie pool in your living room and it literally showed her in a kitty kiddie pool and all her furniture floating in like six feet of water i like to think that if that ever happened to us we'd be that family too like trying to make the most of it yeah i think as long as we knew that we would survive it then yeah yeah but if i'm still fearing for my life i'm not gonna be having a good time or your life or harper's life you know or any future kids again not an announcement (laughs) stop doing that (laughs) 
my mom my mom hates it when i do that (laughs) (laughs) i hate it when you do that she'd be like you know the boy about the story of the boy who cried wolf i'm like yes melody (laughs) miles is pregnant (laughs) just kidding okay the last story that i have this is a story of jason and jenny cairns lawrence from the midlands in 2001 uh they decided to go on vacation to new york it was september 11th oh no on their vacation they were interrupted by the worst terror attack in the history of the united states it, which you would consider you know once in a lifetime experience except for four years later on july 7th 2005 they decided to take a vacation to london and if you know anything about london's history that day was the worst terrorist attack in london's history where uh, bombs were set off in the public transit system, killing 52 people and injuring 700, which was the first suicide attack of its kind in the country's history. Wow. And they were there for that. They survived, but they were there. Three years later, on November 26, 2008, they vacationed in Mumbai, India. During that trip, gunmen from from a Pakistani terrorist group attacked several landmark buildings in the city there were bombs and there were guns going off and overall it killed 164 people but they still survived yeah so these two jason and jenny survived they are no longer married but this is what jenny had to say about the mumbai situation having witnessed these cities in the immediate aftermath of their respective tragedies the couple offered the press some observation on the mood Jenny told the Telegraph of Calcutta, India, I can't imagine somebody opening his shop the next day after his brother was felled by terrorists. He looks sad, but he is ready to pick up the pieces of his life and move on. As I look around, it's impossible to tell such that, that such a ghastly thing had happened. In New York, people carried the look of terror in their eyes for weeks after the carnage. In London, the police appeared more scared than the people. In the same article, Jenny further explained her perspective, her perspective on the series of unfortunate events which followed her vacation plans. I shouldn't be laughing about it, but it's some strange coincidence for sure. The terrorist attacks just happened when we were in the cities. Maybe we'll think about putting it down on paper someday, but neither of us is a good writer. End quote. Hmm. So again, making light of the situation. But can you imagine <laughs> like, being in Mumbai and being like, are you kidding me? Again? Freaking again? It reminds me also of that one movie that we watched with Owen Wilson. Oh, the one where he's in like a foreign country and mm-hmm. then okay, yeah, I, I can't remember about. what it's called. Oh, the that ne- one is—it's a Netflix show. But that one is so intense. That one was really intense. Now imagine being in that scenario three times. Nah, I'm good. While you're on vacation, I, I would think, never vacation again. I think we're just gonna stay home for the rest of our <laughs> lives. So this couple—they're not together anymore. And another article, um, one of Jason's friends said that none of it ever happened. Like, mm-hmm. not that the terrorist attacks didn't happen, but that they weren't actually there for each event. Um, that they were, like, a town over, or they went a few days later, or whatever. But Jenny's quote made it seem like it was legit and that it happened. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what's true, but if it is true, they are still considered some of the unluckiest travelers right um they were coined tourist of evil omen from the people of india 
Um, and there were actually a lot of articles that were like, Jason and Jenny, you can't come here. <laughs> <laughs> like, please don't come here. So imagine having that reputation. <laughs> I just want a, I just want a mimosa on the beach. <laughs> just no. But yeah, so that was a lot. But those were six of the world's unluckiest people. And uh, next week I'll come back at you with seven more. Seven more. Seven more. That equals thirteen, which is also an unlucky number. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. What is the fear of uh triskaidekaphobia the fear of the number 13 okay the fact that you know that word off the top of your head everyone knows that word off the top I of their heads i didn't well you do now I, say it again triskaidekaphobia triskaidekaphobia now you know it triskaidekaphobia triskaidekaphobia never gonna remember that you're just gonna bring just bad luck on us now on this household Nuh-uh, i'm just a reporter here <laughs> don't shoot the messenger okay <laughs> All right, what'd you think? Yeah, interesting. I'm glad, you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for these people. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not them. Out of all six of those stories, which one would you least not want to have happen to you? Hmm. Does that make sense the way I said that? I think the hurricane one, uh, Melanie. Melanie? Mm-hmm. I think Melanie's story. Because having to rebuild your house five, five different times... times I don't know if I could do that. I'm like, yeah, easy problem solved. Like, you know, just move away, yeah, whatever. But like, you know, sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes, you know, situation you're put in a situation where you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Well, but. thankfully, you know, she wasn't actually there with each one, but she also lived in an area where they, you know, kind of knew that these things were gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Just like going back to Hurricane Ian, there was there were a lot of people that were preparing for it recognizing that there's a possibility they could be leaving their house and mm-hmm. returning to nothing right so that would be horrible mm-hmm. and like i'm i'm i love i love storms any kind of severe storm and everything but the destruction that you know especially hurricanes cause i don't know if i could do it i guess you probably wouldn't say severe then because if you're anything like me you like the storms that are like hardcore quote unquote mm-hmm. but when they get to the point where they're causing destruction like that i yes. no longer enjoy them does that make sense yeah no i get what you like, mean i like the kind of storm that you can sit on your porch whatever and watch or maybe from the window if it's bad enough right. like i i love the storms that it's like you know causes power outages and stuff like that and then you have to like you know rely on candlelight to see i love that but doesn't risk your life but doesn't risk your life exactly kind of like that snowstorm that we had a couple years ago yeah that was where fun. we were stuck inside for four days and your parents lost power for how long like three three i think days? it was three days yeah but they yeah. had their uh wood burning stove and yeah. like they have like water supply and stuff like right. that so they were okay they just told me <laughs> they were bored because they didn't have their phones or tv or, TV or anything like that they were stuck inside the house they couldn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. so but yeah i think i think i agree with you one about melanie i think the one that i don't know the one that like i would be okay with happening to me is the one with the town and winning the lottery winning the lottery where the whole town won it except for you because Mm -hmm. and he had a really good attitude like yeah i would kind of bite but if you think about it if the whole town becomes wealthier overnight, then technically so do you because you 
by are a byproduct of that right like people can pay more money with their jobs people are more willing to spend money on like commission because mm-hmm. he was a filmmaker so like commission pieces um people donated for him to create a documentary you know so it essentially like you also in turn get a little bit of a elevated life because yeah. of it i'd be okay with that yeah especially if you're in a town of 240 people and you're the only one that doesn't have this money, I sure as heck would feel so bad for them. I'd be like, here, right. Have a donation. <laughs> right. Here's a 5% of what I made. Especially then, the people like with a million dollars, like, you know, 5% of that. It's like, Hey, Costas, here's, here's 20 bucks. Oh, oh, are you sure? Oh yeah. Thank you. Okay. Next person. Hey, Costas. Hey, here's $200. Like, oh, oh, thank you. You're so sweet. Just like, keeps going that on and me. on. This is kind of unrelated to luck, but like, <laughs> have you ever thought about like, I don't know, starting some kind of campaign where like everyone you meet, you just ask for $1 from them. Just, just $1. That's not a lot of money. $1 is not a lot of money. But if like you got everyone to donate $1 to you, you'd be hecka rich. I've seen people talk about that before. Like we could wipe out everyone's debt if everyone donated a dollar to someone <laughs> right <laughs> like know? honestly it's like for me i just need what six thousand people to donate one dollar mm-hmm. i mean that's a lot of people but yeah you know what i mean but i mean like you think about i guess america sp- spends more than what they're bringing in and everything but it, if you'd like to pay off my student debt my venmo is <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we also have a little bit of credit card debt oh credit cards they're the worst all right we've been talking for quite a while so yeah. uh, we should probably uh, wrap this up. Okay. Hey, well, hey, thanks for the those stories. Yeah. Gives you, it definitely gives you some insight to how not unlucky you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful for my life. And now I just feel like I need to throw some salt over my shoulder, uh, do a couple Hail Marys, knock on some wood. Spin around three times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Get that evil away from us. Not today, see. Well, thank you, Courtney. And thank you, listeners, for again listening to another wonderful episode of Fam Damily. If you have any story suggestions, email us at famdamilypodcast at gmail.com. I've already got a lot of requests from, you know, family and friends and everything. So we have we have some content for a little bit. But keep suggesting. Keep suggesting. Miles we love has it. that list and I don't. We so, love uh, it. All right, guys. Deuces, gooses.